you're here tonight, my name is Abby. I'm our Young Adults Director. I hope that you find a home here in our Young Adults Ministry. I also hope to meet you a little later on tonight. Thanks so much for being here with us. But hey, since we're all standing, let's go ahead and keep that same posture as we dive into the Word of God tonight. Tonight we're gonna be in Luke chapter eight. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there with us, Luke chapter eight. If not, don't worry, it's gonna be on the side screens for you, but we're gonna pick up in verse 40. The Word of God says this tonight. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd had welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, of course, someone must have touched you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed any longer, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been healed instantly. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus saying, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him, except for Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said, for she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead, but he just took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Well, God, we come before you knowing that you say in your word that you are a living and active God. So we ask that you would meet with us, you would speak to us, for if you do not speak, absolutely nothing of any importance will have happened tonight, God. Our attention's on you. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. So you probably heard this phrase before, strong and independent. Whether you've used these terms to describe yourself or maybe someone you know, you've probably heard the term, they're just strong and independent. Now, I don't know about you, but I value being independent. I'm a pretty independent person. I got my own place, I got my own car, I got my own dog. I'm an independent person. But if I'm honest tonight, there are some things in life that I just really wouldn't mind not doing. For instance, if someone would like to take out the trash for me, I will gladly let them take out the trash and say thank you. If someone wants to touch the door handle so that I don't get potential flu germs on my hand, they can gladly touch the handle. I'll walk through the door again and say thanks. If someone wants to drive, I will gladly be a passenger princess. That sounds a lot like my love language. Because I don't know about you. Oh, apparently I do, because some of you agree with me tonight. But when it comes to car vehicles, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't wanna wash them. I don't wanna put air pressure in it. I don't wanna go and get it inspected. I do not like car ownership. So much so that when I play the board game Life, 
You know where you have the little cars and you spin the wheel and go around playing life? You know of it? As soon as my little car piece lands on the marriage altar, I take my pink peg out and I replace it with the man peg because I don't want nothing to do with vehicles that much. That's right, Jedediah. I can't stand car ownership. So a few weeks ago, I have to take my car into the shop for an inspection. Pretty easy, I walk in, and then these men tell me that my car inspection has failed because something's wrong with the tire, the car's making some dangerous noise, on top of that, the air filters are dirty, and so what once was going to take just a few minutes is now about to take my whole entire day. So I walk out of that place, so upset. I call my mom, so upset. I asked to borrow my sister's car, so upset. I'm driving around town trying to go into stores to get my mind off of all the problems I'm happening in my car, and then guess what happens? I put the key into the car that I'm borrowing, and all of a sudden, it decides that car's not gonna work either. So I have to walk all the way back to the car place that has my original car to begin with and tell him all the problems I'm having. And I walk in, and this man, he says, well, sweetheart, Seems like you're just having all the issues today. And I said, yes, Marcus, I am. That's why I'm here. And then this man has the audacity to ask me, well, what do you want me to do about it? And I said, I don't know, maybe fix it? Like, that's your job. So we walk out to my car, and he looks at me and says, have you tried putting the key in the ignition? I said, yes, Marcus, seven times. I even prayed over the car for it to start. It's not starting. Nothing is working. So Marcus looks at me and says, well, I'll put the key in and try myself. And I'll pray just like you and we'll see what happens. I'll walk away so mad. I'm so mad that God hasn't sent my six foot something husband to tell Marcus he's delusional. I'm so mad that Marcus told me he was gonna pray after I just told him I had already prayed. Clearly God isn't answering prayers for vehicles right now. But then guess who walks in with a praise report? It's Marcus. He says, I turned on the car. I said, how did you get that to happen? And he says, I just put the key in, I popped the hood. It must have been that prayer I prayed just like you. And I said, great Marcus. I'm so glad that God has chosen to answer your prayer over mine. But I wonder if you've ever felt like that before. Have you ever felt like God was answering prayer for every other person besides you? Have you ever felt like God was silent or being absent towards your situation? Or worse, have you ever felt as though God was blessing every other person besides you? See, the scripture doesn't turn a blind eye to this. In fact, in the book of Romans, it tells us that these things written down in the past were written for our instructions so that we may have hope. And here in the text, we see that Jairus is someone that can relate to the tension of waiting. It's said that Jairus was a synagogue leader, meaning he's distinguished, he's equipped. He has everything he could ever need at his fingertips. Jairus is strong and independent, if you will but there's one thing he cannot do. He cannot heal his child. And if you notice in the text, it doesn't just say that it's his child, but rather it says his only daughter, a girl of about 12 was dying. See, this is Jairus's one and only little girl. 
Jairus is prestigious, he has it all, yet there's one thing he cannot do. He cannot save his only dying daughter. So he decides to run to the only one who can, and that's Jesus. Jesus agrees to go to his house so that he can place his healing hands upon the little girl. And on their way over, they get stopped by an interruption of a woman needing a miracle. So Jairus is having to sit, he's having to wait, and he's having to watch Jesus do the one thing that he himself is begging him to do in his own life. What do we do when we're waiting on God to do the one thing he's constantly doing for others? See, because it can hurt. It can hurt when everyone else around you is making plans for the future, but you don't know what to do because you still haven't heard back from the school yet. It can hurt when it's cold outside and you're lonely and you open up Instagram to see yet another person getting engaged. It can hurt when you've been praying about that job and the other person you know is about to hop to their third one that's even better than the one that they had. It can hurt when you're having to sit back and wait and watch in the waiting. But you see, when circumstances don't change, it's because God is more concerned with your character rather than your timetable. And waiting quite possibly is one of the most sacred things that we could ever do. And yet waiting can be one of the most difficult things we ever accomplish. But see, there's a character development taking place as you wait that you wouldn't have learned if you didn't get to endure the process. So through the scriptures tonight, I believe that there are three encouragements that we can hold on to as we endure the process of waiting. So here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this one down. In the waiting, frame your faith around the answered prayers God gives to others. Frame your faith around the answered prayers that God gives to others. See, we see Jesus on this way to Jairus' house. He meets this woman. And we see that as he's healing this woman, Jairus doesn't get mentioned for six verses. The man who brought Jesus to this area to begin with doesn't get mentioned for six verses throughout the scripture. He's missing. We don't know what has happened, but we know what Jairus could have been doing. Jairus could have been bitter. He could have said, really, Jesus? This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. It's not gonna be the end of the world if she bleeds for five more minutes. But my daughter is dying. But notice Jairus doesn't say that. In fact, he sits in the waiting as he gladly takes a front row seat to watch Jesus do what Jesus does best. And I wonder, what front row seat has God given in your life today? Who in your life do you know that's been healed? Who in your life do you know that's living in the midst of an answered prayer that you can have gratitude about too? Where can you rejoice with those who rejoice as the scriptures say? See, because you have two options in the waiting. You can partner with fear or you can partner with faith. In your waiting, you have two options. You can partner with fear or you can partner with faith, but you cannot do both. The choice remains yours. Will you choose to partner with the fear or will you choose to partner with the faith? Because I don't know about you, 
but I'd rather partner in faith, commanding my soul to praise the Lord as we sang about earlier, than partner in fear, giving the enemy a foothold any day of the week. I wanna partner with the one who remains true in my waiting. I wanna partner with the one who says that no good thing will I withhold from you like Psalms 84:11 says. I wanna partner with the one who says never will I leave you nor forsake you. I wanna partner with the one who says that God is not slow but rather he is patient towards us. I wanna partner with the one who says I lift my eyes upon the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. I wanna partner with the one who says that he is mindful of me like he says in Ephesians. And I wanna partner with the one who says that even if it looks dead, I'm not done yet. See, my God will come through. It may just not be in a way you're expecting him to do. But God will be faithful to you, just as it tells us in Hebrews. So as you sit and you wait, build your life on the framework of what God is doing for others. Here's a second piece of encouragement from Luke 8. Are you ready? Let's try that again, because I just said, if it looks dead, God says I'm not done, and y'all felt a little pretty dead. Are you ready for the second point? <laughs> In your waiting, remember that Jesus remains close. See, I don't know if you're aware of it, but we have a real enemy that specializes in division. Way back since the beginning of the times in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were present, his mission was to create a separation from them and the fullness of God. In marriages, still to this day, the enemy's mission is to come and slither in to separate two from the holy covenant that they made together. In churches, the enemy prowls around looking for people groups that he can create division within. The enemy's main mission is division. And here in the scriptures, we see that Jesus and Jairus are going through the crowd, but it's not just any crowd. In verse 42, it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So these two men are in a crowd that's so great, it's crushing them. There are so many people around that Peter actually tells Jesus, so many people have probably ran into him. They're in a crushing crowd. And I believe for Jairus, as he watched Jesus answer the prayer for this woman, he probably not only felt far from his miracle, but he probably felt physically far from Jesus as well due to the crushing size and separation from the crowd. And I imagine in this, this big crowded circle, it's loud, people are probably all sweaty. And I imagine Jairus has his eyes fixated on Jesus, feeling this pressure to remain physically close when the scripture says that while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus saying, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But hearing this, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Do you see what I love about this scripture? Other translations said that Jesus overhearing this. Do you know how close Jesus had to be to Jairus in order to overhear this conversation? See, you are never beyond God's reach. You're never beyond his reach. Even when you don't know if you're being mindful of God, God's already mindful of you. You're not out of his sight, you're not out of his care, he is right by your side just reaching out his hand. And in this moment right here, 
we see that Jairus is being able to experience this himself because he's in his waiting, but Jesus has his eye upon him. The people may be trying to divide him, but he is staying close to Jesus. And see, Jesus remains close to you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what's happened to you in your life, in your waiting, Jesus desires to remain close to you. And the enemy, he'll try to divide you from Jesus. He'll try to divide you from church. He'll try to divide you from your life group. He will try to divide you from this faith community, but don't let him. Jesus remains close to you with his eye upon you in the waiting. The person came up to Jesus and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. But at the moment when a lie tried to speak louder than the truth in Jairus' life, that teacher named Jesus overheard and stepped in. I remember there was this time growing up when I was having a really difficult day in school that I ended up calling my mom every single day during lunch hour. And when I tell you that I did this growing up, I mean, I did this my freshman year of high school. I was calling my mom every single day because these girls were being so rude to me. And I remember one day these girls told me that they were gonna meet me after class. Now, I don't know what they wanted to meet with me about, but I've seen the movies. And there's no way I was gonna go meet all these girls after class. So as soon as the bell rang, I jetted out of the school, I made it to the parking lot, and all of a sudden I heard all these girls calling out my name, and as I turned, they were just yelling the meanest insults to me. When all of a sudden I heard a voice behind me, and as I turned, I noticed that it was my mom. Now, I don't know where she came from, I don't know how she knew to come, but I am aware of two things. One, she completely told off all these girls in the parking lot so much so that they never spoke to me again. And two, that was the day when I knew that I knew that my mom had my back. And guess what? In Isaiah, in God's word, it tells us that God is a rear guard to you, meaning God's got your back. See, Jairus was never out of God's reach, and so are you. He might do some things you're not expecting him to do along the way, but he's not gonna let you out of his sight. We can rest assured knowing that he will step in and defend you in places that you don't even know about. And why? It's because he's a good father who loves you and remains close to you even in the places that you do not see. So here's the last thing. Know that in the waiting, God is preparing better than you could ever imagine. In the waiting, God is preparing better than you can ever imagine. And I have a little secret for you. I absolutely stole these words. I stole them from Jesus, they're not mine. This is Ephesians 3.20. Because it says, now he who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. If you want that to be true in your life today, let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. 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 See, when did we start to believe that God was a scarcity God. I love how if you attend on Sunday mornings, this past week, Pastor Adam talked about how God is not a scarcity God. God hasn't been, nor will he ever be, limited to our resources or understanding. He doesn't operate on scarcity, but rather he operates on creativity. Can I tell you why this is good news for us tonight? Because it means that someone else's win is not your loss. Just because God blesses them does not mean his blessings to you are less limited or not available. 
God is not a scarcity God, but rather God is a God of creativity. See, in my life, do you know what I've started to do as I remain close to Jesus and build my faith around the answered prayers he's given to other? I've started to rejoice because of over all the years that I've been living, I've seen God answer some pretty incredible prayers for the people that I know. And you wanna know what? God is too creative to answer your prayers exactly the way that he answered them for them. So if he's moved an amazing way for all these people, just imagine how God would move for you. Build your faith on other people's answer to prayers while knowing that God is preparing better for you than you could ever imagine. He's writing his own personal testimony of goodness that's tailored to you. And you never know the greater things that God is doing while you wait. See, Jesus did follow Jairus home. And Jesus did heal the little girl. It just wasn't in a way that Jairus was expecting to see. See, because Jesus knew that he had to rid the crowd that wanted to see a miracle before he walked into Jairus' house. So he did that with the woman having the issue of blood so that he could walk in in a more intimate setting with just Peter, James, Johns, and the little girl's parents. I bet Jairus wasn't considering that in his waiting. Jairus probably also wasn't aware that Jesus didn't just wanna perform a miracle of testimony for his life, but rather for the disciples' life as well. Because Jesus knew that he was gonna die and resurrect and his disciples were going to need evidence of a living God that could still resurrect people. And they got an eyewitness account sitting in the home of Jairus. Speaking of resurrection, when all Jairus knew to ask for was healing, God saw better. God saw a resurrection story as he healed the little girl. And what I've come to let you know tonight is while we see good, it is our God who sees best. I know that relationship probably had its good moments, but was it really God's best for you? I know right now any job that's available probably seems like a good idea, but I'm here to let you know that God has a best for you. And while we see good, it is our God who sees best. See, God's nature is to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from good things to better things that you couldn't even believe even if someone told you. And if we didn't wait, we wouldn't get to know that God's tender heart of care for us. If we didn't wait, we wouldn't have evidence of moves that could only happen by his hand. If we didn't wait, we wouldn't learn to cherish the present place that we have now. And if we didn't wait, we would miss out on the greatest gift of learning the heart of God that far exceeds anything he could ever bless us with. And if I didn't wait, I wouldn't know his fatherly love for me, a love that's somehow better than even the very best things I have available to me. About two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to officiate one of my best friend's weddings of two young adults that attend our ministry here. And she doesn't really like to be put in the spotlight, so I'm not gonna mention her name, but I actually am gonna because she's that special, but I won't call her out in the room. Her name's Marissa, and Marissa graciously leads our first contact team. And this gives me an opportunity to let you know, I'm sure you're aware, but a ministry like this can't just happen through one person. 
It takes a whole team of people who are available and Marissa so graciously leads all of our first contact volunteers who greet you and she does this by answering all of my text messages on a Monday so that all I have to focus on a Tuesday is not tripping over my words. And even when I do that, she's right there to encourage me. So for a moment, can you just help me to celebrate Marissa and our first contact team? (laughs) But two weeks ago, I was officiating this wedding and I told this story up on the altar of this time when many years ago, Marissa was in her season of singleness and her and I went on a walk together where she was sharing with me her desire to have a future spouse and some things that she believed that God was calling her to let go of in order to step into becoming the person God had made her to be. And so on that walk, we talked about several things. We talked about her desires, we talked about prayers that we would be praying together for her future husband and I shared with her this idea of a redemptive relationship. And that day as we finished our walk, we went home, we said goodbye, and a little later on that week, we had a young adults event where we passed out some cards around the room and we challenged everyone to write down one thing they were waiting on God to do. At the end of the night, everybody left their cards up at the front, and as I was cleaning up, one card stood out to me from the rest. Written on it was these words, I'm waiting on God for a redemptive relationship. And I don't know why, if it was the words or if it was that conversation I just had with my friend, but something about that little card stood out to me that I decided to keep it with me and commit to praying over it for a year. Now little did I know that that card belonged to Marissa and little did she know she would meet her future spouse serving in this very same ministry as they did that together. So on the day of her wedding, at the marriage altar, I presented the card to her that I had prayed over as a reminder to her that the same God who was with her in the waiting season would be the same God that would be with her in her next season as the waiting came to an end. That the same God who is holy in that season of waiting is the same God that's gonna be holy forever in her life. And so you can already see our team is passing out these little pieces of thread in a Sharpie. And so I wanna give you a holy moment to experience yourself by asking you that same question, what is the one thing that you're waiting on God to do? Maybe it's for healing or for salvation of a family member. Maybe it's for a job or for a relationship. Whatever it is, I wanna give you the opportunity right now to write down that one thing you're waiting on God to do. And I want you to take home this little piece of thread and put it in a place where you look often so that every time you see it, you can pray for that thing that you're waiting for, trusting that God sees you, that God remains close to you, that God notices you, and he's very present in your waiting. So as we just finished studying the scripture about the woman that huddled on to Jesus's garment by a thread and received her answer to prayer after 12 years of waiting, as we just talked all about Jairus, who waited on God even as he watched countless other people get a miracle. I wanna ask you that same question, what is it that you're waiting on God to do? Go ahead and take a moment to write that one thing down.
Well, as you finish writing down that one thing that you're waiting on God to do, I wanna remind you to cherish the season of waiting because it's there where you learn to value his eyes above everything else. And all you could think you ever want, you already have in him. Would you go ahead and stand up with me to your feet as we go to our God in prayer? Well, God, we come before you. And God, how could we thank you that a holy God like you is so aware of our every need and situation? And so God, you see these tender areas of our heart. God, we thank you that just like Jairus, you remain close to us, that you have not forgotten about us, that God, you are attentive to doing what only you can do in our lives. And so God, we pray for more miracles, for more resurrection power, for more evidence of your goodness, of things that we can say, my God did that in his perfect timing. And so God, tonight, we pray for every little thing that's been written down or the things that are gonna be written down later because they're too hard to write down right now. And God, we declare that even above these things that we're asking for, we know that you're greater. We know that your name is higher above all names. We know that there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy like you. Your name's above all authorities, your name's above all positions, God, your name's above all powers, and your name's above all blessings. And so God, we come before you and we declare that you are holy. God, you are holy in our waiting just as much as you will be and holy in the season where we get to live in an answered prayer. So God, be enthroned on our praises today. We thank you for who you are. And it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we all said together, amen.